privilege to be back here in my home. I will call it my home. When, I first, uh, when we first left and went to Maritzburg and we've been up uh, in City Hill prior to that, um, Alan said we need to pray you out um, you know, and bless you as you leave the church. I said, no, I'm not leaving the church. I'm here. <laughs> so this is my, my, my home as well. I love being here. Um, as Al said, I went to Israel last uh, year and I, it, it's changed me in the most amazing way because of the people we met. I met Christian Arabs and Messianic Jews and I've never had the opportunity of worshipping with them and seeing their point of view and their perspective of scripture and salvation. And in sitting with them, I was very challenged, um, reprimanded a few times by them on some things, but I can share that. So as I'm teaching today, I'm teaching, I'm not preaching. I want to, um, my hope is to um, encourage you in what God has revealed to me. Um, it's a prophetic revelation of the Father's heart. That's what I want to share with you today. So there's going to be some pictures I'd like you to see and scriptures that we'll put up and, and we'll just see how it goes. So we just thank the Holy Spirit. He's here and he'll help. So this word is, uh, many of you people in Sarepta will know about um, the one new man. I, I'm sure because of Sarepta being, and I commend Sarepta for their love for Israel and always praying for Israel. But we know about the body of Christ, and we know about the bride of Christ. But who, with a show of hands maybe, who knows about the one new man in Christ? One, two, okay. So hopefully I'll teach something new or share something new and impart something new into your hearts. But what happened is, when we were in Israel, we had an amazing time to worship with the, the Jew, um, the Messianic Jew. And what, in, in the numerous places, we would go to their home, and they would just start with worship. No tea and coffee. They didn't, didn't have time for that. It was pure worship, getting involved with what the Spirit is doing. And they would bring out a tape. I can move a little bit, Al. Okay. So, so when, the one home, for example, that we went into... Um, they bring out, there's a coffee table, a huge coffee table with every kind of instrument you could wish to have that you could play. Anybody could pick it, whether it's the triangle, the tambourine, instruments I've never seen on this table. Um, there was pianos, drums, violins, saxophone, whatever. So these, these, these people that are equipped to worship in the most amazing way. So we went there and we were worshiping and we had... Um, so we had the language of Hebrew being spoken, German being spoken, all in worship, English praying and speaking in tongues, worshiping in tongues. So all of these, these languages were coming in one accord before the Lord. It was the most powerful, powerful thing I have ever experienced, that we could all sing to the same tune our own words, but this joyful noise unto the Lord. And, um, and the one woman, for example, the Lord just moved. This one, I heard a beautiful opera voice. Light, beautiful voice, it was yours, reminded me. The one young lady who doesn't sing at all, uh, has no tune whatsoever, she started um, uh, singing opera in tongues, or singing tongues in opera, that as we did worship, it becomes warfare. And this, I was sitting next to her, and she just went up and up and up, and I was, you almost, almost want to stop and say, okay, that's enough, you know. She just went flying up. It was like she shattered things in the heavenlies. And then the next day we were talking to her and we said, how did that happen? She said, no, that's what the Lord does. And she said, I can't sing a note. And she tried to sing and tried to do a bit of opera singing. She can't sing anything. So, it was, so we realized that God was doing something amazing there. But after each time of worship that we had like that, there was always a time of prayer where the Messianic Jewish people in particular would give thanks to the Lord for the one new man that is being manifest as we worshiped. 
And I was not familiar with one new man, so I was quite ignorant about that. But they would say, say that the blessings of God would be on us because of our worshipping together. And then more importantly, they were saying that it was fulfilling the plans and purposes of God. By coming together as Jew and Gentile worshipping together, we were fulfilling a certain plan and purpose of God and that it pleased his heart. So, um, as I said, it happened numerous times, and I was very ignorant of this. So there's a gentleman, Frank Cantor, who used to be from South Africa, Jewish man now. He's in, um, in Nazareth. So we were at a function or at a bra, and I went up to him. I said, Frank, I said, all these days I'm here, I'm hearing about one new man. I said, but I actually don't know what they're talking about. I'm in agreement with prayer because it sounds good, but I don't know what it is. And he said, Sharon, it's a mystery um, written in Ephesians by Paul. It's a mystery revealed to Paul. And um, it's for a time such as this. And it's, it's, a, it's something that the Lord wants restored back to the church, this worship of Jew and Gentile together. And he said it's relevant for today, and it's a desire of the Father's heart to see this um, manifest. And so I said, okay, no, that's great. So I'll, I wanted to look into it. So he said God is restoring something to the church that has been missing. So I say that prophetically and, and uh, submit that prophetically. Um, so what I'd, my plan when I got home was to find out more about one new man um, and what the Father's heart is with regards to the Jew and the Gentile. And then also to, many a time it came in that they spoke about being grafted and then the joy of being grafted into the olive tree. And we know that scripture and we understand it. But when you see a joy and a delight, and then when they talk about it, I thought there's something I'm missing here. You know, I've just maybe taken things for granted. So, um, so that's what, when I got back, I thought I'd study. Excuse me using notes, but it's, it's easy. I've got lots of um, scriptures and things to, to go through. So firstly, let's have a look what a mystery is. Or in the scripture in Ephesians 1, it talks about, and you can see it clearly, can you? I'll read it from here. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made, been ma having made known to us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times, he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him. And in Paul's writings, you often see the words hidden and mystery and secret. So I thought, now I need to look up what, what does mystery mean. So in the New Testament, mystery refers to a secret that is revealed by God to his servants through the Spirit. As such, it is an open secret that must be sought out earnestly and fervently. And I believe we're living in times where there's so many mysteries that we maybe haven't understood and God wants to reveal but it's when we take the time and sit and seek his face and, 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 and get into scripture that we, we will find out these mysteries. The Greek word mystery is mysterion, refers to the hidden eternal plan of God that has been gradually revealed to God's people in accordance with his progressive purposes. We see the prophetic word. We see scripture unfolding before our eyes. We see what's happening in Jerusalem. Things are unfolding. We need to be aware and in tune on what does the Bible say, never mind what politicians say, Let's see what God is saying about stuff. So there's, there's mysteries that are being um, revealed. And the fact is that it was, it's all written in Scripture, but somehow I, I never got it. I never got this one in particular. So the gospel itself is a mystery which has been kept secret since the world began. There's another lovely Scripture in 1 Corinthians 2.10. Um, as I said, I've got so many Scriptures. I could talk all day. And what I'm sharing is just absolutely just the brief outline it's, it's for you guys to eventually go in and dig deeper if you so wish. But there's a lovely scripture. It says, But it was to us that God made known his secret, again, 
by means of his spirit. The spirit searches everything, even the hidden depths of God's purposes. So I just think that's so profound. So, um, so now we understand what this mystery is. So I believe that it was to Paul um, that he's entrusted the task of, of connecting Jew and Gentile. He was given that task long ago, but somehow we've lost it. Um, and we'll look into that now as well. So let's have a look at that scripture, Ephesians 2, that they just love. So therefore remember that you, once Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision, made in the flesh by hands, that at that time you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of the promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. He's talking to us as Gentiles. Have a look at the position that we were in before Jesus. The Jews had all that. They had all of these things. So we were without Christ, aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise. We had nothing, no hope, and we were without God. We never had a Messiah. We never never had a Savior. Um, So that's the position we were in. Then it carries on. For he himself is our peace, who has made both one, and has broken down the middle wall of separation, having abolished in his flesh the enmity. This, that is the law of commandments contained in ordinances, so as to create in himself one new man from the two, thus making peace, and that he might reconcile them both to God in one body, Jew and Gentile being reconciled. Um, through the cross, thereby putting to death the enmity. There again, the enmity comes up. And he came and he preached peace to you who were far off, that's us, and to those who were near, that's the Jewish people. For through him we both have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore, you are no longer strangers and foreigners. Earlier on we read what we weren't, now look what we are. We are fellow citizens with the saints. The saints are the born-again Messianic Jews, or Messianic Jews, and members of the household of God. Um, That is a profound scripture. So let's just have a look at some of those words that I had highlighted there, just to expand a bit on it. For he is our peace. So Jesus died on the cross for both Jew and Gentile, and the purpose was to reconcile Jew and Gentile together. That's the breaking of that wall, which you'll see just now, and also reconciling us both back to God. So Jesus did two things there, reconciling us, which we often as a church focus on us as the Gentiles and getting us saved, but there was two things. There's a very important part. He wants the two together. Um, what we know is, as well, that is the Jews had their own separate rules and regulations. They were separate people. They were set apart. They were different. They were, were um, God's, God's favored people, okay? And they were chosen. Now we see that what Jesus has done, we've got the same God. We've got the same Savior. We've got the same Redeemer. We've got the same hope, the same heaven, this is available for all of us. We've all got this. <clears throat> and, and the plan of God, which maybe we have missed as a church, I feel, and it's not a judgment on any church, but is to reconcile us together. And um, so we'll talk more about that. So then we also look at the one, but the word made both one and one new man. Um, it's, it's the Lord has formed one new church. That's what it actually means. Some uh, uh, Bibles say it will be one new humanity. Some say one new race. <clears throat> and interesting, um, I picked it up, that a, a Jewish person will say, um, I'm born a Jew, I'll die a Jew. And, and they're proud of who they are and good for that. They must be. But there's a, a misunderstanding that when it says one new race, it means they've got to give up their identity. None of us give up our identity. If you're from 
Zimbabwe, America, wherever you are, that's your identity. That's who you are. But we become one in Christ. Okay. So, and then the middle wall of partition, which I'll show you there. You can have a look. Uh, it's, you, can see there's a, you can see a wall between the entrance and the actual temple. That's the, that's the wall. The middle wall, um, what Jesus did, abolished the law of Jewish rules and regulations. He has removed that which kept the two people apart. That's what he did um, with regards to that. We know that there's spiritual walls now in mental and phys- physical as in people keep, keep themselves apart. But in actual fact, that's another thing that Jesus acquired and did on the cross. Um, he wants unity. He wants complete unity. There's another picture for you to see. There's the wall and the Jews and the Gentiles on either side, and we have Jesus, our Messiah. The word enmity is a word that means hostility, hostile, um, hatred, antagonistic, um, com- complete disregard for, for the two, for each other, complete hatred, animosity, antagonism. In the scripture we've just read, Christ has put that to death, but yet we still see it today. I mean, we know that. We are human beings and we make, we make error and we're in error, but the fact is Christ has put that to death. That enmity and that hatred, he has done away with it. It's a done deal. We have to manifest it now. We have to, we have to connect with the Jewish people and um, the Jew and Gentile together. And then the most exciting thing as well, fellow citizens with the saints, the scripture I read earlier, is we're called to, to the enjoyment of equal privileges with the Jews. Not them being called to equal privileges with us. We had no privileges. We are now embraced in their privileges. And on the household of God is the Christian church. It's God's house. Uh, all genuine believers have equal rights, privileges, and a through one spirit. Oh, help. My, my earring fell off. <laughs> Maybe I must put it there. Okay. Okay, so you're with me there. Yeah, okay. You're not allowed to sleep. Okay, it's a new year and we're all refreshed. Okay, so let's have a look at this defining one new man. What it is in essence, it's a powerful reference to the oneness that God longs to see between his ancient people, the Jews, and the new covenant people, the Gentiles. He wants us one in Christ. Further, let me just say here that one new man will be a corporate body of people consisting of Jew and Gentile who are so perfectly united that together they are no longer separate but one new creation. That is... That is um, fulfilling. It's going to happen at the end times. But we've got to align ourselves with the Father's heart. We've got to align with the fact that Scripture requests us to be like that. So um, it's a phenomenon that we haven't had achieved yet in church, but it's God's heart and it's his plan and it's his will that we do that. Uh, Again, I want to say that I commend Sarepta for what you do in praying for Israel. There's not many churches that are doing that, and the Lord wants that restored in most churches. Just out of interest, the one new man in Hebrew, Am Echad Hadesh, Hadash, is a new united people or a single new humanity. That's what he's referring to when he says that. So what we've got to look at is what, what has, has happened, what has prevented us from getting that unity? And why do we sort of carry on in a tangent on our own? I know churches are busy. We, 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 we're bringing in people. We're serving the poor. We're doing all these amazing things, home groups and worships and stuff like that. But in actual fact, there's just a part that we've missed out on, and the Lord wants that brought back in. Okay, so there's many things. I can't even begin to say all the things that have prevented it, but there's, there's the history. There's life experiences. 
There's the understanding of Scripture and how people have um, interpreted Scripture. So all these things have added and kept that antagonism which um, the Lord had tried to do away with. So we must know, and it's only by God's grace and by the power of the Holy Spirit that this can happen. But we can be vessels of and conduits to start this happening. Okay, let's have a look here. We know that the gospel was first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. Again, I say there's many scriptures. I cannot put them all in, so I've just chosen one or two just to try and uh, uh, explain where we were at. Um, we see, then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, it was necessary that the word of God should have been spoken to you first, talking to the Jew, but since you reject it and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we turn to the Gentile. Um, so, so many churches, and right down, if we look at the church fathers and the, and the writings of that, it was on a scripture so, like this, there are other scriptures like that, they said, you see that the Jews rejected Jesus, they rejected it, so they've been done away with. The covenant's broken. Everything's finished. It's not that way. It's not that now. Okay, so, um, and then we see again. So in Romans, it says, does this mean that God has rejected his Jewish people forever? Of course not. His purpose was to make his salvation available to the Gentiles, and then the Jews would be jealous and begin to want God's salvation for themselves. So the plan of, of the Lord was to, to get a church that was so united and so empowered and as, as a church in the beginning that would make the Jewish people jealous and they'd say, that Messiah is our Messiah and join in. Um, so one of the prime responsibilities of the church, even today, was to, to make the Jews jealous and bring them in. But unfortunately, we haven't done that because uh, history reveals what we've done. We've persecuted the Jews. When I say we, it's the church. We look at wars. We just look at church history. You must know that there's so much has happened to the Jewish people. Um, I want to share now about a guy called Jamal, who, uh, when we were talking about the scripture about making him jealous, he's, uh, he was a, he's a Christian Arab. He's from Iran. He had a supernatural encounter with the Lord. Just boom. The Lord spoke to him and said to him, you need, I must watch this thing, you need to go to Arizona in America. Now, this is a, a Muslim. He's an Arab. He's quite settled where he is and has no idea who the Messiah is, hasn't ever seen a Bible. But when he had this vision, he knew it was Jesus, and he knew that as Jesus had spoken, he had to be obedient. And he said to his wife, he said, we have to go to Arizona. They don't know any Americans. They've got no idea of Arizona. So off they go and... And he gets there, and um, he said when he found the church, because now he's, he's obviously got more knowledge of Scripture, he says, when we discovered the church, he said, the church had nothing that we wanted, nothing. He said, we were not jealous of you, you had nothing. And then he said, and, and he challenged us, he was on the hand, but, but in a, a nice way. He was a guy full of love and full of laughter and full of zeal for God. He's the kind of man that when you spend half a day with him, it impacts you for the rest of your life. That's what this guy did. But he was saying, he said, look at your Bibles, how you guys have interfered with your Bibles. He said, we've got everything to make it easier and simpler and whatever. He said, but in it, you've lost the truth. There's a lot of truth that you've lost. He said, get back to the original. And he says, you guys love your YouTube and you go buy this Graham Cook book and that book and all that. He said, wonderful. Those guys are great and all is good. He said, but when it comes to you and God and having a revelation from God, you need to get back into the word. Get back into the original word of God and then and then see what God's going to do. We're often now looking to man and to YouTube to feed us and all these things, but in actual fact, let's get back to the scripture. 
So he says, also the church is guilty of the divided doctrines and and, um, understanding. And he said, and then you have a rift and you split. So I I said to him, you know, you're judging us a bit. I said, do you know what grace is? He says, no, I know about grace. He wasn't being ugly. He's just saying, come on. He was encouraging, saying, come on. You guys have got to work hard to get this all together, you know. Um, Jamal was a funny, he was so funny. He says, he says to us, he says, you know what? He said, I was so excited when I had a revelation when I got to America. I said, what was that? He says, I'm a Gentile. He says, I was classified as a Gentile. So we laughed. He said, well, okay. He says, no, you don't understand. He says, from a, a Jewish perspective and a Christian perspective, our understanding is that we were dogs. You see us as dogs. He says, so I've been upped from a dog to a Gentile. He says, I'm so happy. So we just laughed. <laughs> So then he says, but there's better still. He says, then we find that we can be born again to a Jewish Messiah. And then he roars with laughter. He says, I'm an Arab and I've got a Jewish Messiah. He's our savior. He says, that's bizarre. He says, but it's brilliant, you know. And so he's so excited. And he says, and then there's something even more. I said, okay, what's that? He gets so excited to listen to him. He says, we grafted into the olive tree. He said, we are citizens of the commonwealth of Israel. He said, you know what a privilege that is. He said, do you know how profound that is? And there's tears in his eyes. And he said, you know, he said, for us as Arabs, he said, we know the love of the Father. He said, we never knew that God loved us so much. He said, when we, he said, our understanding is we were cut off and sent out into the desert. And we were nothing. We were the dogs. And he said, here we come to this revelation and this truth that Jesus loves us. And we're special and we include it. And he said, and we are spiritual Jews. He said, it's profound. He said, it's mind-blowing for them. Um, but he says, you know what? He says, and another story, he says to us, I haven't seen any of you Christians in Iran. So I said, no, I, we're not coming there. So he says, why not? <laughs> so I said, we're gonna, we'll get beheaded. And he said, so do you have a problem with that? So I said, yes, I love my head. I want to keep my head. So, yeah, so he was amazing. I mean, they're just so passionate. And you know, when it talks about us making them jealous, they made me jealous because they had something, they had grasped something deep and and that that I have maybe superficially looked over or not actually understood fully myself. So he was amazing. So he had that great revelation of being grafted in. So let's just look at that scripture. It's a long scripture, but let's look at it because it's an important one. So if some of the branches have been broken off and you, through a wild olive shoot, us, have been grafted in among the others and now share in the nourishing sap from the olive root, do not consider yourself to be superior to those, who, of, to those other branches. If you do consider this, you do not support the root, but the root supports you. You will say then, <clears throat> uh, you will say then branches were broken off so that I could be grafted in. Granted, but they were broken off because of unbelief and you stand by faith. Do not be arrogant, but tremble. For if God did not spare the natural branches, he will not spare you either. And I've got a picture up there. I don't know how clearly you can see it. But basically, the natural branches are, um, let's see if you can see it there, are the the Jewish people. We are the wild olive branch. We've been grafted in. And we're grafted in to the covenant promises of Abraham, Isaac, um, and, and Jacob. So we are, that's the root that we're in. We are grafted into them. They're not grafted into any tree we had. We didn't have a tree. But this is an analogy. We are grafted into them. So we are blessed. And so Paul states as well, very importantly, 
I do not want you to be ignorant of this mystery, again, that word mystery, brothers and sisters, so that you may not be conceited. Israel has experienced a hardening in part until the full number of Gentiles has come in. And in this way, all Israel will be saved. So um, there was a hardening of heart. The Lord hardened hearts of Israel. And it's a, you, you go and read your scriptures and then you'll see uh, what's happened there. But basically, Paul's saying, don't get conceited now that you're born again and have tossed the Jewish people aside. They, they, they're part, of, part, of, part and parcel of, of this whole thing that Jesus has done. So God has a sovereign plan for the salvation of, and unity of the Jew and Gentile together. So we know that the enemy has been at work. He has managed to keep this one new man apart. Whether it's through ignorance or uh, experiences or life or history or whatever, that one new man is not being manifest. That he's done a good job, but we know that no plan of God's will be thwarted. And this is a plan that God is now restoring back to the church. Um, so let's, in its infancy, we know that the church... Um, was a Jewish community. And then the Gentiles came and there was a, a spirit of anti-Semitism then came in. Um, we know that the, the Gentiles accused uh, the Jews of, of killing the Messiah. They accused them of other things. So there was absolute hatred for, from the Jew to the Gentile. And the Gentiles saw the Jew in absolute scorn and, and, uh, and contempt. So history has revealed that, that the church has persecuted the Jewish people um, ostracized them and kept them apart. The church's responsibility is now to bring them back in. We cannot, you know, we've, we've, we've done wrong and we can correct that. So the antagonism also of church fathers, just listen to this. This is just some. So this is where the mindset with many churches is that they take it from what these church fathers have done. It's back to what I said. It's not what the scripture says. It's what people have said. And we, and we listen to man and say, well, that's great. That's the truth. These are not truths. Justin Martyr said, the scriptures are not yours, but ours. Um, and as I'm reading this, think of it again from a Jewish mindset. That's why there's still antagonism and hatred, because they read this, and they think that we all believe this. Uh, but this is not a truth. Jews are disinherited from the grace of God. We know we have a God of love and grace and mercy. He loves us all, and he died for us all. There's none, of, none of this is true. Um, Tertullian announced against it in his book, Writings Against the Jews, that God had rejected the Jews in favor of the Christians. Eusebius taught that the promise of Scripture was for the Gentiles while the curses were for the Jews. Uh, that's another thing that I picked up in talking and sharing with the Jewish people. They really believe that we feel that the blessings are all for us and that they are cursed. That mindset has to change. It's so wrong. It's so incorrect. But it's out there. And then Martin Luther, who did a lot of stuff, but he, he, he was for the Jews in the beginning. But look what he says. It seemed to him that God had deserted the Jews, leaving them to wander homeless without a land or temple of their own. And if this was God's attitude, then one might as well, with good conscience, ignore the Jews. We can't do that. It wasn't God's plan. It's a far cry from that one new man and, and on the purposes of God. So the church has been deceived, and so this one new man has not been manifest. And... Um, and just talking to the people that we were, were sharing with, um, lots of people in Israel, it's almost like the Lord is just sweeping things back. He's sweeping back. He's just pulling people in. And that has been, it's, it's an exciting thing to, to see. So now's the time for the church to respond to this desire of God um, to see the Jew and the Gentile uh, being truly saved. Just what I want to say um, with regards to the Christian Arabs and the Jews, God is doing something. You know, we read about it and you get SMS. Hey, 500 Arabs had the same dream and you think, wow, that's great. 
It's actually happening. And with this guy, Jamal, he had that supernatural encounter with the Lord, and he went to Arizona. And then he was there, and the Lord said, do Bible study, and he studied, and he was still, he said, up to three and a half years ago, now it'll be three and a half years ago, he said to the Lord, I don't want to be here, I want to go home. I don't know why you brought me here. I'm alone. I feel very lonely. And the Lord said to him, start looking. Go and look. He said, I told you, you're going to build a church. So start getting the people. So he got in his car and he started driving and driving further afield from his little area. And then suddenly, it's like the lights come on. He just saw one Arab, another Arab, another Arab. And he started befriending them and could speak their language. And he said, come. He said, I've got a church, come. He now has a church of 3,000 people. And, And the most profound thing, he said, many of them had a divine revelation of God to move to America, to Arizona. It's like, these are people that have not believed in Jesus, hate the Christians, hate the Jews, have never seen a Bible, never known a scripture, and then the Lord appears to them. And they said, and when the Lord appears like that, you act, because it's so, it sits deep in you, you know. So he said, a lot of people are coming over, and the refugees that have come over, he said, it's not even a problem, because he said, we know what the kingdom of darkness is like, we've lived in it. He says, now when we come to America, um, we're actually in the kingdom of light already. He says, to many of us, it's a kingdom of light. We know it's not. But anyway, he said, the lights come on. And he said, so when you give the gospel, he said, they're so ready to receive it. He said, they're so happy. They're just, uh, what I shared earlier, that the Father, that God loves them. It's a revelation of note to them. And so they are passionate. And then he throws out another challenge to me. He says, you go back home and tell your Western church, he says, that us Muslims are now born again. Christian Arabs are going to spread the gospel faster than you. He says, it's a race. <laughs> I said to him, you're on. Okay, we're going to do this. So that's just such passion. And then there was another man that we met. Um, his name is Alyosha Rabinov. And he, Alan, how am I doing for time? I've got plenty of time. Um, uh, he, he was, uh, he's a concert play, uh, pianist player. He travels the world. Um, he's phenomenal. But we didn't know. We were just going to his house to worship. And um, this guy as well, he was a Russian Jew, caught in Ukraine, actually. And he was very, um, they were ostracized, the Jewish people. And, and, and also he feared for his life and that of his family. But when he, at the age of six years old, his granny said to him, the way you're going to get out of Ukraine is by playing the piano. You have to have a talent. So I'm, you're going to play. And he said he used to play up to eight hours a day, his whole life. And um, then he would, the Russians knew, found out this, is a, this guy's gifted, and, and, and then um, they said to him, you are ours. And they would send him out to Europe to win competitions, but it was for Russia. It wasn't for him. Russia's won. Russia's won. And um, then the more he was so gifted, the more controlled he was, and they, they monitored him and watched him. He had no freedom. He could only play for them. That was all. And um, when he was at university, he had to study. They studied a lot. He said they studied um, atheism. They all have to study atheism. And he said, in studying atheism, you study all the religions of the world, including Christianity. So whether it's Hindu or Buddhist, whatever, you study it all, and you get taught that is not what you follow. That is absolute fake. It's rubbish. So you need to be aware of this rubbish that's out there. So, um, so they learn it and they study it. So one day he's like really desperate, and he's, he's saying this, only a higher force can get him out of Ukraine. Because every time he writes and applies to leave, he gets, no, no, no. So he says he was sitting one day and he thought, you know, I've studied all these religions that we've been told that we're not allowed to, to go and worship. 
which one did I, would I believe in if I believed in any one? And he said, the name Jesus came. So he said, Jesus, you're the one. If there is such a God, if you are such a person, if you did do what you did, um, I believe in you. So I'm going to ask you, can you get me out of the Ukraine? And as soon as possible, because our lives are in danger. Within one week, he gets a letter saying, you're allowed to leave. And he thinks, oh, my word. Within two weeks, he was packed up and gone and on his way to America with his family. So now he's delighted. He's now in America. He's well-known. He's a brilliant musician. And he gets slots in, and he gets called to play in concert halls and for whatever. And so he's having an amazing life. He's got instant income, and he's blessed, and he's so happy. He's free. And then um, one day, he's sitting in his room, and a brilliant light shines in his room. The whole light, is, the whole room goes so light that he falls onto the floor. He realizes there's something bizarre happening here. And he's lying there. He says, okay, what did I learn? What did I learn? God of light, God of light. Okay, Jesus or oh God, this must be you in this room. I'm listening. Don't hurt me. I'm listening. And so, and the Lord said to him, I got you out. And he said, Jesus spoke with him. He said, I got you out of the U Ukraine, but you've forgotten me. You said you wouldn't forget me. He said, now this is what I want you to do. You're going to lay your music down for three years. And you're going to go to Bible school and you're going to learn more about me. So he said to his wife, he said, I have to do this. He said, God has spoken. I've got to do this. So he did. He laid it down. Three years there um, doing Bible study. End of the three years, he said, right, Lord, I've done it. What do you want me to do now? Now he's really surrendered to the Lord. And the Lord says to him, now you play your piano and you're going to play it for me. He said, I will give you the tunes to play. And, and you can see he's got um, also on YouTube. He's got music that plays, and he'll say, this is a song from heaven, and he just starts to play the most amazing music. And his wife, who's been so faithful, had also then studied and, and now a Christian as well. She had the gift of not all the songs, but interpreting. As he was playing, she would prophesy what he was playing, what the Lord was saying. It, it, it's profound. So they, now internationally, they get called to go and play around the world, and she does this. But there's always something more exciting. God is so good. He says, one day he's playing, lots of people, and, and suddenly people that are in wheelchairs are standing up and praising and clapping him and whatever, and they're thinking, and then he's, he hears all this commotion, and he realizes people that couldn't walk are standing. They've pushed their wheelchairs aside. And then blind people could suddenly see. So the Lord says to him, you must get the deaf people in. You must play for the deaf people. <laughs> so he says, okay, bring the deaf people. So he was anointed with this ministry of of so deaf people would come to listen to him play, and they would hear. So he's so humbled. He's the most humble man. And, and what happened, and this is back to this one new man, and how important it is for them, that when they heard that I was there, I was there supernaturally, really. It was just I was in, invited, so it was a prophetic intercessory team that I was with from the UK. But when they heard that this team was there, Alyosha and his wife got a group of people together. They, cut, they, they, they take time off work, and they've got hold of us and said, if you can come, please come worship with us. So 10 o'clock in the morning, we get to his house, and again, there's this beautiful baby grand. And on the way there, we start hearing how profound this man is and how incredible he is. And, um, and we started worshiping, and again, out comes all the instruments. Now we've got it. Hey? We grab these instruments. I'm such a musician. You'll be so impressed. Tambourine, dish, dish, dish. <laughs> That's anything. <laughs> but it was so wonderful.
for. So, and the fact, like, so the Lord was speaking to me all the time and saying, look how much they value you coming to be with them. Look at the value that they place on it. Why do you think that is? And it's because he commands a blessing when we're there in unity. It's a different kind of unity. And um, so we had an amazing time of worshiping and then also just, just praying and prophesying. And it's just amazing how the, the Holy Spirit just moves profoundly when you're just in this, this thing of obedience. But you know what? How many of us would take time off when we, we see, uh, a, a contingency of Jewish people come to pray with you? Are we at that place where we would say we would take time off work? For sure, we want to be there. They've got it. They are so excited. And they love prayer and they want the support. But anyway, so let's carry on here. What, this is what, what we can do as believers. Um, so just the experience that I had, and I just wish everybody could experience it because it's, it's changed my life. It's changed, and I just realized there's so much of the Lord that I didn't know. What we can do as believers, and I submit this to you. I'm not saying we have to do any of this. But purpose to align with the heart of God and faith for Israel, the land and the people, according to his word. Plans and purposes. And allow the Holy Spirit to give revelation and understanding. You know, we, I can stand and share what I can, but when you sit quietly with the Lord, let him give you revelation and understanding. Can you believe I left my Bible at home? I was going to pick up my Bible. The Bible is so full of amazing things. And with this new revelation that I've got, now I read scripture again. I've gone right back to starting Genesis, reading the whole lot again. Because now I'm looking from a Jewish perspective. I'm looking from the Christian Arab perspective. Not just from the perspective of my little comfy zone that I've been in all my life with church. So let's get more understanding and knowledge of the scriptures on this topic. Acknowledge the roles that the Jews have played in our salvation. Befriend and support Messianic Jews and purpose to fulfill that thing of the Jew and Gentile worshipping together. I have found, I came back with zeal, and I found one Jewish person. And I, so I thought, Lord, we are the Jews. But you know what the Lord says? It's in your heart. You're not going to find all the Jews there. We're not going to have that ability to worship with the Jews like, like we did in Israel. But it's what you're doing in your heart, that you support them in your heart. And when there is some Jewish people around, get them in. And this is what I believe the Lord is saying, that there's a deep spiritual richness that has been untapped. Um, when I got back, uh, the Lord gave me a very clear word for church leaders about um, uh, standing and upholding Israel. And, and many don't. Um, people are afraid because it's political. Um, but you know what? We can all that. We rise above the politics. We rise above what leaders and that are doing. They do the wrong things. It doesn't matter. Let's just hang on to the word of God and back and support the prophetic word of God, what he wants to do in us and in Israel and with the Jews. Okay? So let's befriend them. Purpose to keep the unity between all Christians regardless of language, color, culture, denomination, and geographic uh, location. So even here as we sit, we've got different people groups sitting here. That's brilliant. Let's keep it and let's work hard at it that we, we stand in such unity that those outside will see, Jew and Gentile will see, and that they'll want to come in. We must be a church that makes people jealous, that they want to be part of us. Churches need to be dutiful in prayer for Israel, that as we pray a blessing, peace, and salvation to Israel, it covers all of those living within the land. We know that it's political, it's, it's um, about Palestine, or it's about the Jews. For God, it's all people. It's, it's his land. Israel is his land. It's in Jerusalem where he says that's the place on earth where I put my name. So we need to be aware of that. So it's for all people. Christ died for all. So pray for the salvation of the Jewish people and pray that those needing to return back to Israel will find the means to do so. We know in Scripture the Lord says, I'm pulling them back from the north, the south, the east, the west. He's bringing them in. And there's a reason. And I, I like sit and say, Lord, tell us that reason. But I believe that if he can give... 
uh, all these Christian Arabs and that such supernatural revelation of who he is in a dream or like that, I'm hoping that he's going to do that here. That's just me. I'd like that. Um, okay, and repent of any incorrect doctrine passed down through the years. I shared earlier some of the things that people have said, and, and the church has grasped that. I'm not saying all churches, some churches, but it's affected um, the one new man. It's affected God's plans and purposes. It's actually put a block, so we need to repent. And as the church prays in this manner, we too receive a blessing. Um, what was so interesting as well is that when we do worship together, they say, we get a double blessing, you get a blessing. So I don't know, I have to find the scripture for that, so, but it's fine, a blessing is good. There's a lovely scripture in Psalm 122, pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and may those who love you be at peace. And some of the versions say, um, may those who love you be secure, or may those who love you be safe. And we want to be safe. We're coming to end times, things are hotting up. We know what, what, what's happened now with Jerusalem, with Trump, saying that Jerusalem, Jerusalem is the capital. And you've got 129 nations reversing and saying no, and apparently now saying that Palestine, Jerusalem is the capital of Palestine. There's animosity. There's problems there. We need to be backing and supporting God's land and God's purposes. So without the Jews, we would have no patriarchs, no prophets, no apostles, no Bible, and no Savior. So basically, we are indebted to the Jewish people. Um, am I saying the Jews are... No, we are all the same. Everybody's the same. What I am saying is the Lord is very specific about the Jew and the Gentile. Who is the Gentile? Every other nation. Every other human being. Um, so, so, and those are the two people groups that God is working with. So we need to pull it together uh, according to what he wants. Um, I, I wanted to put it up there, but you can't see it. didn't come out. It's, that's at one of the coffee tables with all the music. And it says, rejoice you Gentiles with his people. So, so, so what I'm saying is I've just sowed a seed of something new. It was a re- revelation to me. It's changed me. I'm so excited about it. Um, and, and be aware of what's happening in Israel. Start praying for them. It literally starts, Lord, let me start praying for, the, for, for Jerusalem and for the Israel, Israelites. That's all we have to do. And then let's be a church that makes people jealous that they want to be here. Amen. Amen. <laughs>